0: This is a Village Soundcast Network original production.
1: The 42nd Annual Atlantic International Film Festival is just around the corner. And this year, we are once again live and in person. But before we hit the theaters, galas, and after parties, won't you join me, Kristen Green, for FinCast 2022, a virtual red carpet podcast celebration? You'll get an all-access backstage pass to the festival as I talk to some very special guests about all the things that are gonna make this year's festival an unforgettable event. This is FinCast 2022, produced by Village Sound. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our virtual red carpet for the Atlantic International Film Festival. We hope to see you from September 15th to 22nd, because guys, for the very first time, we are all together again since 2019. That means we have full capacity screenings. It means we have everything again from the closing night party to the Atlantic Awards to the filmmaker panels and even Q&As. So please come. We will be together again, and guys, The guests are starting to arrive. Oh my goodness, so please stay tuned to see who we can chat with. The paparazzi is going absolutely crazy. Which I think could only mean that Stephanie Jolene is here. Oh my goodness, Stephanie! Stephanie, please! Please, come over! Hi! Oh my gosh, this is so fun! Can you feel the energy in the room, or what? I can feel it now that you're here, Stephanie! Thank you so much for chatting with me! Stephanie, I hear that you are hosting our 2022 panel
2: series. That is right. I don't have a film in the festival this year. Not to, you know, brag, but I have had films in the festival before. This year, it's all about the panels, so I'm just here hosting these panels you know I feel I feel pretty excited about that I think I think I'm going to bring my like hosting skills ask the hard questions you know I'm going to ask the hard questions right make people everybody very uncomfortable
1: I love it (laughs) I love (laughs) it I won't make
2: anyone uncomfortable I'll be (laughs) respectful and nice but I will ask weird questions
1: because I'm a little bit of a weird person (laughs) oh I, I love that so much when you say weird questions what how weird are we talking here Steph well, I really think the three different
2: panels we're doing, like the subjects, uh, really call for a different, very interesting questions. So we have one panel about documentaries, ethics in documentaries specifically, one panel about challenging themes in filmmaking, and one pa- panel is about comedy. So that one's probably going to be light and funny, and we are just, you know, by nature. But I think <laughs> all three of those topics are topics that I'm really interested in, in talking about, and there's a lot of places, there's really a lot of room to go to kind of deeper places, I'm going to stay away from the questions like, what inspired you to get into filmmaking? Like, I'm not, no mm-hmm. offense to anyone who's ever asked that question, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm going to try to come up with some original, unique, topics to discuss. So I'm really excited about that.
1: Oh, that's perfect. So Steph, what inspired you to get into film? I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I understand though. It sounds like you have such a variety of things that you were talking about. I would love to ask you about every single one of them. So Stephanie, you're doing this Subjects Matter: Ethics in Documentary. So I'm assuming you've worked in documentary before. I have. What do you like about working in documentary? Well, it's an interesting,
2: it's an interesting way to tell stories because it's, you're not usually, uh, the way I make documentaries, I'm not usually on screen as a subject in the documentary, so you're really telling somebody else's story, and that's a unique, uh, it's its a really strange thing to be <laughs> like, I'm telling your story, and I have creative control over your story. Yes! You know, it's, 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 I try to do it very respectfully, and I think a lot of filmmakers do it very respectfully, but you're handing over, as the subject of that documentary, you're really handing over a lot of control to this person who's filming you, who's in the editing room. You don't know what they're gonna cut out or keep in, right? So it's an interesting ethical question and we're really gonna kind of dive into the
1: those topics. Wow, because the way that you're describing it too, you're right, it is such like a, a vulnerable situation. Mm-hmm. You, are, you are literally like in control of these people's stories that I'm sure there's, there's so much ethics involved in that and I'm so happy to hear that you're so well-versed in it. I'm excited to hear all about it and hopefully you can teach everybody, you know, how to do such a thing the best way that, is, that you can, the best way possible. Now, the next one here, challenging themes in filmmaking. What kind of themes will you be challenging? Well, I don't think I'm allowed to tell you who the guests are
2: yet, but we have some really interesting guests on all of these panels. Um, And there are some movies at the festival this year. Oh, I should say films. There are some films at the festival this year (laughs) that have some challenging subject matter, like how to approach certain things that are uh, touchy or could offend people or... um, I guess the word cancelled is sort of (gasps) overused these days, but everyone's a little bit afraid, I think, of being cancelled. And so, like, how do you express yourself? How do you touch on topics that are controversial topics without being canceled as an artist you know so these are these are some things we're going to discuss in
1: that panel I think that'll be really interesting. Wow I'm fascinated that you that there's that's even available too because you're right there are are these topics that are like we need they still need the same attention but it's it's a fine line so I'm excited to hear how you will teach that.
2: Yeah, if you're in the audience for that, uh, that panel, then you might be squirming in your seat a little bit. It <laughs> might be like, ooh, do we want to touch this one? You know, because sometimes it's easier to not talk about it. Yes. But uh, I like diving in there and
1: getting into the nitty-gritty. Oh, I love that so much. And the last um, panel that you're hosting, this punching up comedy in filmmaking. Why is comedy important to you, Stephanie? Well, I do not consider myself a comedian, but
2: I love Comedy. Ooh. I mean, who doesn't? It's funny, I don't, I generally work in documentary or drama and people would be surprised to know that it's like comedy is my <laughs> all time favorite thing. Like, no way! Yes, I just love watching uh, comedy and stand ups and sketch and everything like that. So this is going to be a panel where it's less about what I'm bringing and more like I'm here to learn from these, you know, geniuses. <gasps> how, how do you make a comedy? How do you make a funny movie? Like I made one dark comedy years ago and I didn't mean for it to be a comedy. Oh, really? (laughs) Someone read it and they're like, this is funny. And I was like, oh, now I'm going to just pretend I meant to make a comedy. (laughs) because I hadn't. So I'm really interested to hear uh, what these, you know,
1: professionals say about how to craft a a comedic piece of work. Incredible. Because I I understand, too, comedy is one of the hardest things to direct or to write. Correct? I would say. And like I said, this is not an area where I have a lot
2: of expertise. So I'm really excited to have have these great... uh, panelists.
1: Again, I can't tell you who they are yet, but it's going to be really fun. Well, we will have to be there then to see exactly who you're bringing. I just love Stephanie. You're so well-rounded. I can't believe that you're doing all these different segments. How do you even prepare for something like this?
2: Oh, well, first off, thank you for the compliment. You know, compliments are my favorite thing. <laughs> Ooh, good to know. Uh, and Secondly, oh no, I, uh, I'm just, I'm doing the really hard work of watching all the movies. I mean, it's a really hard job. Somebody's gotta do it. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, I get to watch all the movies of all the filmmakers that are on the panels and, and write out a bunch of questions that I would just naturally have to ask if they were just sitting with me, you know, at a pub talking about their films. So I'm really just gonna bring a natural, like, w- you're just eavesdropping in our, on our real conversation sort of
1: vibe. I love that so much. So. Having these panels, I I find that they that's so beneficial for for filmmakers, but even just for audience members to get that kind of uh, backstage, you know, behind the scenes lesson on all of these things. What kind of like um, an impact do you think these panels will have?
2: Well, it's just it's exciting to be back in person. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, to be able to see people and touch people and and you know hug with consent and hug people again you know (laughs) it's it's a nice vibe to be around people and so I'm excited for that every year uh that the film festival here has happened I as a filmmaker and before I was a filmmaker just as a movie lover I would attend all the panels every year because they it was just so interesting to me like how often do you get to sit in a room with a bunch of filmmakers and just actually listen to them talk about what it was like like that's not something that we get on a regular daily basis so i think it's quite a unique experience for a filmmaker emerging filmmaker or just a fan of the you know the industry so i think uh yeah i think people are really gonna have fun i'm excited
1: i am so excited for everyone they have no idea what's gonna hit them it's gonna be just the coolest thing ever everybody go to every single one of these panels please you'll have the best time Stephanie, I understand that you have gone to Finn Festival so many times. How many times do you think you've gone?
2: Um,
1: uh, t- 20, <laughs> maybe. <laughs>
2: uh, 20, <laughs> I moved maybe. here 18 years ago. I moved to Halifax, and I think I've gone every year.
1: Wow! Yeah, something like that, yeah, I would say. It oh my goodness, that's incredible. Do you have, like, a, a favorite memory from any of the festivals? oh, you know what?
2: It's going to sound cheesy, but it's just the fact, like the first year, okay, so for the older listeners, they'll remember, I used to play in a band called the Super Fantastics, and I was playing, I was drumming in this two-piece band. At the time, and I'm dating myself, at the time, this was pre-smartphone, and I, as a job would film and edit videos. That's what I did. So I had the ability to make all our low-budget videos at a time where not everybody had a smartphone in their pocket, right? So it was a bit of a unique skill. So I started making music videos for no money, and one of our videos got in the festival. (gasps) And at this time, I had just been a fan, and every year I would go. And so for me, that was, again, a little cheesy, but that's my real answer is just the first time one of my music videos, but it played in a short film, as a short film in a short film series, Um, it got into the festival and I was just like, I felt, you know, starstruck. I'm like, ooh, I'm one of them now. I'm one of these people, one of these
1: filmmakers, and I haven't left since. Amazing. (laughs) I was gonna ask, Stephanie, I know you've had so many things in the festival. Has that feeling ever gone away for you?
2: No, it's just always like I mean I joke about being being full of myself and loving myself and everything <laughs> but the uh, like the truth of it is I'm pretty humble and I like I'm always humbled and surprised and honored when anybody wants to watch anything I make Really. <laughs> so anytime the festival has taken any of my work and anyone shows up to watch it I'm like oh my gosh thank you
1: really yes yeah, so, yeah well on that note I just have to say I absolutely loved your last film Night Blooms thank I you. would love to compliment because I felt that was such a cool coming coming of age story and I just it, it was a it, it was so well done Steph it was so well done I loved Aww, it that's very nice of you to say thank you Stephanie, I have to ask them, where you have gone to the Finn Festival so many years and we have unfortunately not been together again uh, for the last few years and this is the very first time, again, everything's back to normal, how would you uh, convince people to come to this event? I don't know if I have to do any convincing
2: of anyone. Everybody I'm talking to is just like putting their schedules together and I'm, I'm, I'm on group chats and I'm texting my friends and it's like, what are you seeing? What night are you going to what party? Like it is, I don't have to convince anybody. It's going to be like lineups at the door sort yep. of thing. That's what I think. <laughs> We're going to have to be like, oh, can we, can we fit everybody into the wag? Like, <laughs> yeah. gonna be, I think it's going to be like, uh, blow, you know, blow the roof off this thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah let's blow the roof off this thing. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you so much. I literally could talk to you for so long, but people are like pulling my hair, pulling my suit, trying to talk to you. So I will unfortunately let you go, but thank you so, so, so much for oh taking my the gosh. time.
2: it was so nice to talk to you. Thank you. And yeah, I have a few fans waiting for autographs and selfies and stuff, and you, you know,
1: just another day in the life. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I know you're royalty around here, you better go before they start causing a riot. <laughs> okay. Thanks
2: so much. Have a great one. You, as well Stephanie thank you.
1: Stephanie Jolene I can't believe we were able to talk to her I can't wait to see her panel series I think everybody should go we were so lucky but speaking of how lucky we are everyone the most beautiful limo was pulling up and someone's coming out who is it (gasps) <gasps> it's Tara Thorne! Tara! Oh my gosh, Tara, Tara, can you please come hi, over here? Kristen, hi. Hi, Tara, how are you today? I'm good. How I, are you? I am lovely. Thank you for asking. Tara Thorne, I have to ask, how are you feeling about your feature film debut? It's uh it's overwhelming, you know. We um
3: I've been covering this festival since I was 22 20 years old. And I turned <laughs> Forty-three next week. So it's been a long, long, long time of of just being here as as an audience member and uh, to be here with a feature film. I've gotten to see so many of my friends. My friend Steph, I just saw walking away up there. Um, you know, have their have their their um, premieres here at the festival. And there's nothing like no matter where you play before or after. There's nothing like playing it at home and oh, celebrating with all the people that worked on it.
1: That is so perfect. And again, so you've you've been covering this festival for 21 years. And this is your very first feature film debut in it. What does that feel like? It feels wrong.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what am I doing on this side? It's not right. It's like, why am I hosting a Q&A? I should be in the audience raising my hand, you know? So it's it, it's been an interesting uh, transition to, to this side of things to be the person who's being asked questions of and, you know, speaking to the things that I do because normally I'm the one asking that stuff.
1: Right. Does that make you feel, like, kind of more prepared in some ways because you know what questions people ask? I do. Prepared and critical. Yeah, <laughs> i <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> yeah, you just made me so nervous about my performance. So, I will. No, no. no, it's perfect. And so I also understand you also have a, a short film in the Atlantic Shorts program too. What is that called? It's
3: called the Burn Book Tour. Which everyone's like, what does that title mean? It's about a, it's about a stand-up comedy duo and their sisters, and they they break up on stage. <gasps> so so that the title uh, is is the title of their comedy tour. Like you know how like John Mulaney's coming to town. And it's called From Scratch. Like you know people just name their tours. Right. So that's what the, their tour is called. It has nothing to do with anything. Um, I like to do that. I like to just confuse people for no reason.
1: I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. So you have the short film, mm-hmm. the burn book tour, and then you have your feature film, Compulsus. Yeah. That is so crazy. You have both. And I have to ask them, like, what is it like uh, directing a short film versus directing a feature film?
3: I would love to tell you that directing a feature film is like directing a bunch of little shorts. Yeah. It's not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's very overwhelming. It's very um, it's very time-consuming. It's very long days. Um, you know, the, the cool thing about the Burn Book tour is it just happened. It was one day in February at the bus stop. The bus stop was still under renovations, but we only needed the stage and the backstage, and that was all finished. Um, and I think our day was 10 to 6. It was like a general well. office day, and we like ripped it out. And um, and that I was, able to do that because I had worked with almost everyone on Compulses mm-hmm. and so I knew what everyone was able to do and I also you know had learned so many lessons about how to use your time efficiently and what is possible and you know what's a doable shot list in a day and stuff like that so we were we, it was very um, uh, it, it Everything that I took from Compulses was I put into, into Burn Book, which, you know, made it a very chill day, frankly. Like, we just, like, there were seven of us. That's all we needed because we didn't have anything big going on. It was a character piece. So we just had these two really great actors, Cat McCormick and Hillary
1: Adams, just, and just let them go. And it was really fun. Oh my goodness, and I need to reiterate for our listeners, an 8-hour film day for a short film is like unheard of. Unheard I have never in my life heard somebody making a short film in 8 hours. You I know, know,
3: and I think Hillary had done a different short film the weekend previous and I think they were like 3-13 hour days, yeah. <laughs> which is a bit more standard. Yes, that is the standard. Yeah. I am
1: I am absolutely shocked that you were able to do that. That's incredible. Tara, either out of Compulsus or the Burn Book tour, mm. um, was there anything that you are like, maybe it was particularly challenging, or you are very proud of it, or uh, like a moment on either productions that, that really stood out to you?
3: I mean, I've been saying this since we wrapped, so we wrapped production on compulsus in April of 2021, and I, all I've done since then is think about what I did wrong. No way! Oh. Yeah! <laughs> No! Like, here's what I could have done differently. Here's what I could have done better. Because, um, you know, it was my first time directing a feature, so so much is new to me, and I hadn't been on that many sets. So I'm just sort of, it's amazing to me. You walk in, and the set is just running. It's a machine. It runs. I didn't tell it to run. <laughs> I didn't press a button. It's just already going when I get there. Everyone knows what they have to do for the day, and it's amazing. And you have so many people kind of lifting you up and, and propelling you forward. But at the end of the day, you're the leader. So, you know, I kind of struggled a bit. With with the leadership aspect and and you know knowing that I knew the least on set, um, you know it, it, it kind of made me undercut my own confidence a little bit. So the whole thing has been a huge learning experience. But again, that's why I was able to funnel that into an eight-hour day on a short film because it's like, okay, I know where I messed up before, and right. we're not going to do that again. So you know, and honestly, making a uh, uh, talent to watch, which is our budget was two hundred thousand dollars. It's wow. a lot of money in a bag on the ground. It's not a lot of money to make a feature film. No. Um, In 15 days, in between COVID lockdowns, like... <gasps> like rapid tests did not exist we all had to go get tested on the weekend and hope for the best for the week and like nothing happened which luckily because if we had gotten COVID on our production it would have been the end of it yeah and um it snowed there was a snowstorm on day two and on day 15 (laughs) three weeks later there it was 17 degrees we're in the dead (laughs) of a Halifax spring all I want for the next movie is uh leaves on the trees that's all I want (laughs) (laughs)
1: That is so funny. Tara, what's so crazy about that is that it sounds like you had so much pitted against you and yet, you still made this film. And that is the universe showing you that you were meant to make this film. <laughs>
3: well, thank you, Kristen. And you know, I think everyone feels that. I think if you have a $200 million budget, you're like, I don't have enough time or money. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. It you doesn't... never have those two things.
1: No, exactly. And so I'm excited for everyone to see it to tell you all the things that you did right about <laughs> your film. <laughs>
3: please tell me one thing. I will...
1: Just one. Just one, please. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be thousands of compliments about it. I'm so excited to see it. Um, another question for you, Tara. Yes. I understand, again, you've gone to the Finn Festival for 21 years. Yeah. Do you have a favorite memory of going? I do, but it kind of happened off-site. <laughs> so
3: I used to go to the Toronto Film Festival as a reporter for like 15 years, and I would always text when I was coming home. So it uh, Toronto's ending as as atlantic Film festival starting so it always takes someone to be like can i mooch a ride from the airport to the delta which it was at the time like can i just get a free lift and they always said yes and i would just be i would just like walk up to the transport desk and be like andrew said i could get a ride yeah. so in one of those vans i met uh, who someone who ter- has turned out to be one of my best friends a dozen years later. Um, her name's Alison Robin, and she was at the time working in uh, product clearance in film. So she lives in New York City, and we were just in the same shuttle van at the end of the night. It was like midnight, and we talked all the way into the oh. all the way into the city. She got dropped off at the hotel. I went home, and then we we've, we've been friends ever since. So um, that would not have happened if I weren't a mooch, yeah. and
1: <laughs> the film festival didn't bring in a delegates from all over the world. Oh my goodness, you made a very good point too, that Finn Festival is not just about the films, it is about the people and the friendships that you will make. Totally, especially now that we're all live
3: in person again, which everyone's so stoked about.
1: We are so stoked, everybody go out, make as many friends as you can. We're so (laughs) excited to see each other, I absolutely love it. Another question for you, Tara. Being a first time uh, feature film director, what kind of advice would you give to people also wanting to make their first uh, feature film? It's a great
3: question that I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer it. Um, <laughs> you, I think you should have the best script that you can going into production because you're not going to have the time you need to work out problems with plot or um, you know. Uh, character motivation and things like that uh, on the set so just know that going in and I think also be open to um, magic happening Ah. because you, you know you go in with your shot list and you've got there are things that you have to get but if you can tack on one take I usually try to do one take where it's like let the actors do whatever they want or like if they want to try something let them do it because um you know this is a very kind of rigid system so if you can allow for some magic to to come in through the cracks you'll always be rewarded and you don't want to because you're so stressed out about time and money but just trust me it's going to be okay
1: i love that and especially again where you said you had so many hiccups along the way but you just got to let it let it go let it breathe it. let it the do film's going to
3: be what it wants to be unfortunately you can't you can't wrangle it
1: <laughs> that is a very good point tara What are you the most excited about this year for the Finn Festival?
3: Oh, it's like picking a child. So (laughs) I have two. two friends whose movies I haven't seen that are on the same night. One is called Bystanders, which Kumbi directed. Kumbi is in our movie as well, and I'm so excited to see um, what they have put together. Uh, and my good friend Kevin Hartford made a film called Lemon Squeezy. He shot some of it in my house, my kitten's no in way. it. No um, way! And uh, he's offered to let me see it, and I'm like, no, I'm waiting for the big screen. I just, I, I, it's gonna be so, so fun to have those two like, fully homegrown back screenings back-to-back back with, like, everyone I know in the room. I'm super stoked about those.
1: Wow. So you have your film going in. You have friends' films going in. Yeah. Your kittens are in a film. <laughs> We've got it all. You, you've got it all. Everybody needs to come to the FinFest. We'll see Tara's kittens, everybody. Everybody needs to go see them. What are their names, Sarah? Well, there's, there's an old one, Winston. He did
3: not agree to appear. Uh. Uh, but the young one's Gertie, and she... You could not stop her from appearing, unfortunately. <laughs>
1: thank you. Gertie, I hope I hope to see Gertie later on the red carpet there you as go. well. She'll be here. She'll be here. Okay, I'll keep my eyes open. Thanks, Kristen. Tara, thank you so much for chatting with me. I will let you go, in. I'm sure you have people are just going to absolutely bombard you. So I will let you go. But thank you, thank you, thank you for chatting with me. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Again, everyone, that was Tara Thorne. And Tara Thorne has two things in the festival this year that everybody has to go see. That's Compulsus, as well as the Burn Book Tour. I will take this moment just to remind everyone that this year will be different than last year, because, again, we are back to being in life. Oh. oh, my gosh, guys, everything I, je- everything I was going to say doesn't even matter anymore, because I'm seeing someone pull up. It's Kumbi, a longtime alumni of the Atlantic International Film Festival, and... The co-host of the very first fincast in 2017, Kumbi! Hi. <laughs> Hello, Kumbi. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Of
4: course, I'm so happy to have the opportunity to chat with you. <laughs> oh, this is
1: gonna be the best time. First things first, Kumbi, I know that you have gone to the Fin
4: Festival for so many years. How many years do you think it's been? Uh, ooh, I was trying to do the math. Actually, I feel like my first film festival, I believe, was in 2015. Wow. So, 2015. so that many years. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember what that very first festival was like? I do. It was uh, incredibly formative for me, actually. I um, was going down a little memory lane and realizing that that was the festival that inspired me so much. I went home, wrote a short film, and shot it for my birthday, like, the next month. Um, And actually, it was the seed of what ended up kind of becoming bystanders. Even though it never saw the light of day because we filmed on a cliff and the sound was so bad that we could never show it to anyone, (laughs) but.
1: (laughs) That is so funny, and how full circle that is. That's just an incredible thing. So please, tell us more. This is your film, Bystanders.
4: I want to hear all about it. Okay, okay. Uh, What's my fastest uh, way to explain? (laughs) A group of friends grew up together. They um, go every year for this annual weekend away, winter getaway uh, this year, they discover that one of them has actually been accused of a sexual assault so the question is what happens when it's not a celebrity on tv it's not a monster it's not a stranger it's your best friend your boyfriend your, your ex-boyfriend your roommate um you know your brother what happens when it's not someone you can just walk away from oh my goodness that is such a incredible subject matter i, I can't wait to watch it And then I understand you also have a a short film in it as well. What's the short film? Yeah, so the short film is uh, very, very different. It's called Fizzy, and that is, I mean, similar in that it's a group of friends. They actually discover something during their uh, book club meeting in the back of one of the friends' uh, trunks that they have to deal with. No way! (laughs) Yeah, that one was written by Kevin Hartford and um, acted by a group of my nearest and dearest friends, uh, sort of, actually, um, to help me get ready for bystanders, in a way.
1: No way! So, what I love is that you're saying both of these films have to do with uh, a group of friends, and I understand you have many friends in the industry. (laughs) I know, And, and so... Can you explain to us, like, how, what's it like having so many friends that that are also (laughs) in, that you get to work with, that you get to, you know, get to connect with, or you
4: get to kind of riff off each other, what's, what's that community um, like? That's so funny, I'm gonna remember you saying that. What's it like to have so many friends? What's it like <laughs> to be so popular, Koozie, can you even tell us? <laughs> I super, super do not think of myself that way. Uh, but I will say, I feel like in a lot of ways I grew up in this industry in Nova Scotia. I've been uh-huh. acting since I was like four, I was on Mr. D. So I feel like my, my community, my people, they are Nova Scotia film. And so that's maybe why it might seem like that because I don't really do anything <laughs> um, so all the people that I interact with usually have something in one way or another with to do with either film or uh, TV or theater, really. Um, and so that's, that's who I love. <laughs> that's-
1: you just mentioned,
4: too, that so you've been an
1: actor, you've been a writer, you've been a director, you've been, like,
4: literally everything, it sounds like, <laughs> There's so many things I have never done. Well, that um, was my but, next question,
1: then. Yeah. Perfect segue. My next question was, is there anything that you haven't done that
4: you would love to try in the future? Ooh, um... There are a number of things that I already know I would be really, really bad at, okay. so <laughs> I am kind of like a try-anything-once kind of person, but uh, my experience as, like, uh, gaffer, grip, best, but like, all of those things, like, I am just so bad. The, everything no. is so awkwardly shaped, and I always hit my shins, and <laughs> it's just, like, it's just not for me. Um, <laughs> um, I will say I was really uh, grateful to have the opportunity to shadow on a local series here called Moonshine, um, most recently for their first block. And there's something about show running. This is like a... In many, many decades, (laughs) kind of goal. But that's something I'm super interested in because it's kind of a mix of like all of the things it's producing, it's writing, and kind of directing. And um, yeah, you just get to have your hands in like all of the things. Yes, yes, thank
1: you. And actually, for our listeners, can you just explain what is a showrunner?
4: Okay, it can be either the creator of a show, but off, sometimes it's not necessarily the creator, but it is sort of the head. Yeah, you are the
1: head. You are in charge of everything.
4: Yeah, overseen. when I say it like that, it actually doesn't sound as appealing because I think my favorite thing is to be surrounded by people who are smarter and better than I am at everything and have them make the thing that's in my brain better than I thought that it could be, um, which is what happened on Bystanders, and that was really uh, exciting for me. Really? Can you can you speak more about that? I just feel like I lucked out in every possible way um, with our crew and our cast. I feel like they just gave so much of themselves their energy their talent their skills into this movie and made it better than i could have you know ever possibly dreamed um and we had a lot of fun making it which is kind of all that i wanted yes i got to make a movie in the woods with my friends um and now i get to show it to people (laughs) I'm,
1: it's excitement I'm sure but I'm, I, I know that it's, it's it's all of
4: the feelings it's all of the feelings
1: of into one sound yeah. and that completely that was that was it we we got everything you were feeling from that sound <laughs> I think that's perfect I know that you've gone to the festival so many years what do you think uh is the value of having a film festival whether it be anywhere in the world or even our, our own local film festival
4: Ooh, that's a really, really big question. Mm. Um, Well, I mean, I can say personally the value of the film festival has been... uh, Oh gosh, how do I say this in a way that's not just jumbly... Luke from my brain. (laughs) Um, It's immeasurable, to be honest. The people that I've met at this festival, the inspiration that I got, I think almost every year that I've been able to attend things in person, I've gone home so inspired and written work that then has gone on to be produced and honestly, been at the festival (laughs) the year later. Uh, I think, I mean, we all felt it, I think, with COVID, what it feels like to need art so desperately but to have to experience it disconnected from people. The film festival kind of brings my favorite things together. It puts us in a room together, but also we get to see the art that we've made for the last year, um, which is a really beautiful thing. It's kind of similar to the Screen of Scotia Awards where I go and I cry because (laughs) I'm just so happy and proud of all of uh, my friends and colleagues in the industry for making things. It's so hard. It's so hard. So any opportunity we get to come together and celebrate, maybe even dress up a little, um, (laughs) is just really uh, fantastic.
1: Oh, it's so fantastic. I love that Kumbi. You're right. Like it's is showcasing local art, but you made this very good point that I would like to reiterate, which is that uh, having this kind of showcase, it it just will continue to inspire the next filmmaker. So every time Absolutely. there's something like this, um, you're almost just like breeding creativity for the, for the next round and for the next year and it's and it's just a cycle that will keep going and keep 100%, going. 100%. Yeah. I love that you said that. That was so <laughs> that was such a good point. Um, Kumbi, I'm going to ask you a question. This might be one of the hardest questions you've ever been asked, okay? Are you ready? What is your favorite movie?
4: Ah, no! Oh! I knew it! I knew that was going to be hard! Oh, gross! Gross!
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can name a few, even. Like, it doesn't have to be just one. But I'm so curious, especially where you do so many different roles and you kind of seem like you're so versatile. Like, is there... (sighs) Do you have a favorite film?
4: Oh... My brain is actually short circuiting oh, really? right now. Okay.
1: I like I can't let's try, let's try this. sometimes this works, okay. What's your favorite movie? three, two, one, what is it? By <laughs>
4: Yes! Is that such a cop-out? I no. feel like I, it's just the movie. We've worked on it for like five years. I'm so excited it's finally going to exist in a real way that I can show people. Um, and I, again, just think that everyone worked so fucking hard on it. I'm, yes! I don't know if I'm supposed to swear. but No, say it. Um, the cast just, oh my God, they stepped up and knocked it out of the park. I just think they are so phenomenal. And I want everyone to go and hire them. And yes. They're all movie stars. yeah um, yeah, sorry, I kind of cheated a little bit.
1: But. No, that
4: was a perfect answer. <laughs> and you said something that, you, that you've that you been making this film for five years. Is that
1: correct? Yes. Oh my gosh, what is that like then? Like that process being that long and then to finally be able to deliver it and see it on a screen? What is that like?
4: <laughs> I don't know if it's sunk in yet. So no. we actually started writing this... Um, yeah, five years. And it was actually before the Me Too movement, before the Weinstein scandal. Oh. Well, the Me Too movement started before, but before the Weinstein's Weinstein yep. scandal really blew it up. Um, and we were like, oh my gosh, no one's talking about this. This yeah. thing that's happening all the time to everyone we know, but no one's talking about it. And then all of a sudden, everyone was talking about it. And so we were like, does this movie have a place? Does this matter? Do we need oh. to make this anymore? Like, we're talking about it. That was the point. And then we realized, no, actually, there were so many uh, gray areas and it was so much more complicated and cancel culture uh, just we don't have answers and so we just had a lot of questions and we just sort of threw them into a movie so we um, wow. wrote and rewrote and rewrote uh, I don't even know truly countless drafts um, before we felt like it was in a place to um, go to go to production so it's changed a lot but yeah five years of uh, working on it
1: working on it now (laughs) I think I'm starting to understand that that sound that you made earlier Um, (laughs) now I'm starting to get it Kumbi Kumbi, I understand uh, you wear so many hats and I know personally that one of your biggest things is that you are a mentor for uh, emerging artists and I think it is so invaluable to have that and so I have to ask like What is your your pitch to to get people to start
4: working in film? You can do it. You can do it. (laughs) It is possible. I think, honestly, that's it. I think I... I, Okay, not to make this too long, but part of my (laughs) origin story, I guess, is... uh, never seeing anyone who looked like me um, do any of the things. Uh, And so not actually thinking that it was an option or that it was even possible. Um, I wrote a short film that I made purely because I wanted to act in it. I met with a director, I was explaining all the shots, all the things I was thinking of, where the camera was gonna go. She stopped me, she was like, I feel like what you just explained is directing. Like, can I ask you why you're not doing that? and it had never even occurred to me. It had never (laughs) crossed my mind that that was something I actually could do. Um, But it just clicked. Of course it was something I wanted to do. I loved every aspect of the process. Uh, So directing made a lot of sense, but it had never crossed my mind. So anyone who even has an inkling, I just think that they can do it. And sometimes you just need someone to say yes uh, to feel like that's true. And so I would love to be that person for anybody. (laughs) Yeah. And you are that person, Kumbi. I have to say, I took,
1: oh, yes. a I I will just shamelessly admit, I took, I took a course for me once of on directing, and I, and I definitely felt that from you. And I want, that's why I asked, because I was like, I need everybody to feel. Oh, that means that you so much, up. truly. No, it's true. I, <laughs> so I, I just thank you so, so, so much for chatting with me, Kumbi. I learned so much from you. I know you have so many other people to talk to. <laughs> so I will let you go. If it were up to me, we would talk all day. But. I will let you go and just thank you so, so much. I thank learned you. so much from you. That
4: was a pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Can't wait to see your film. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> bye. Bye, 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 Kumbi. Again, everyone, that was Kumbi, and Kumbi has two things in the festival this year. That is Bystanders as well as the short film Fizzy. Everybody go. I loved hearing everything they had to say about it. Just a reminder, this year we are back to live. Oh, oh, wait. This just in, my producers are telling me, uh, oh my gosh, we're going to be speaking to a very important guest who will be patching in while on location shooting. Uh, You know, as we get connected, let me just tell you a bit about who this is, okay? He is a well-known public figure in Atlantic Canada with strong connections to the film industry and our very own festival. He was also one of the hosts of Real East Coast, the CBC show co-created with the Atlantic International Film Festival, which is made from our annual Sunday night Real East Coast Gala and features the best regional shorts from our festival every year. He was in the 2009 opening night gala film Trailer Park Boys Countdown to Liquor Day. Everybody, it's Jonathan Torrens.
0: I've been looking over my shoulder to try to figure out who it is you're talking about because this person sounds amazing.
1: It's it's you, Jonathan! It's you, Jonathan Oh my gosh! I can't believe
0: it! I am underwhelming in person, but it's very kind of you to say, how are you?
1: I'm so excited to chat with you. How are you today?
0: I'm great. I'm happy that the world has opened and the film festival is back on and uh, we get to get together and celebrate face to face, you know?
1: Yes, I am so happy to see your face. This is just the best treat. Jonathan, I understand you've been with the festival for so many years. How many years do you think it's been?
0: I was just thinking about that, as you mentioned, Countdown to Liquor Day, the trailer park movie, because before that, I used to work on Street Sense years ago with Mike Clattenburg, who went on to create Trailer Park Boys, and he and I started out making music videos, and we would always put an element of black and white Uh, in our creative for music videos. But meanwhile, we were saving all the black and white film in our fridges until we had enough black and white film stock left over to make a short film called Liquor Store. And that premiered at the Atlantic Film Festival in the mid-90s, probably around 1995. And that was my first time being at the film festival. And that was a huge coup to have our film screened in front of an audience and have our friends and family there. That was like an early career night that was just like one of those Dear Diary moments. You'll never believe what happened tonight. It was magical.
1: Oh, that is so wonderful. How has the festival changed in those years?
0: I guess in a number of ways, the technology, I guess, has changed first and foremost. But the thing that I I like that has stayed the same is that the festival has always really made it important to shine a light on emerging filmmakers from here. Yes. Like uh, in bigger cities, for example, a little film like Liquor Store might not have gotten the eyeballs that it did. Um, Getting the traction that we did from the Atlantic Film Festival we were able to travel to other festivals and we were able to get a TV deal for another short we made called Man's Taxi. And it's not overstating it to say that would never have happened if if it hadn't been for uh, FIN or Atlantic Film Festival as it was known then. So it's really been uh, a launch pad um, for everyone's career. Anyone from here has benefited from the Atlantic Film Festival or FIN for sure.
1: That is such a good point. Finn is so good at highlighting local talent and, and local programming, and, and you're so right. I absolutely love that. Jonathan, I have to ask, like, let's take it back like, way, way, way to the beginning. How did you ever find yourself in film and television?
0: Well, my first... Uh, on-camera roll as one half of a two-person horse costume in a shopping <laughs> center commercial for Bears Road shopping center. Uh, I was not the front, uh, <laughs> but uh, suffice to say, I was smitten by the process, um, and uh, I started working on Street Sense when I was in high school, and I actually went to the registrar of Ryerson and said, I'd like to come and study radio and television arts. And she said, why? You're working in television. (laughs) Um, Just show up early, stay late, ask questions, take criticism and put your head down and keep going. And so that's what I've done for all these years. But the pandemic has actually reminded me what I loved about it in the first place, because I've had to really distill the process down and make things by myself. So I've been duct taping iPads to trees and shooting myself (laughs) and learning how to record good sound. But it's actually reminded me that making stuff is really cool. And I like doing it on this small scale. Um, That's how I started. As as I mentioned with Liquor Store, we were kind of stealing from ourselves, um, calling in favors and things like that. But filmmaking has a spirit about it that no matter how big the show you're working on is or how small, um, just gets me fired up and it still does.
1: Wow, and Jonathan, you made such a good point where Film and television is such a unique industry where you don't necessarily need the the schooling or the training as long as you're you're willing just to jump in it and you can't have that with like a, a dentist. You know what I mean? Like you can't. And so is that the kind of advice that you would give to people wanting to get into film and television now?
0: Well, on the upside, I would say technology has made it really accessible because You used to have to pilfer black and white film stock in your fridge. Now you can make a short film on your phone tonight. So one of the best pieces of advice that someone ever gave me, and it sounds strange to hear it out loud, was as a writer, um, this guy said, your first draft will suck. (laughs) And I thought, what a weird pep talk to give to someone. But his point was, sometimes we put this pressure on ourselves in the pursuit of perfection so that we don't even start writing because we want it to be this perfect masterpiece right out of the gate. Writing is like a muscle. Work it, hone it, get better at it. What it. Like somehow writing a piece of garbage really takes the pressure off and frees you up to take some chances. So just barf out a finite lump of clay and then work, about, uh, work on sculpting your masterpiece. But don't let trying to make something a masterpiece prevent you from even starting. So just, just do it Yes, would be my advice.
1: That is great advice. Just do it. I absolutely love that.
0: I feel like that's a slogan, like that should be a slogan for something.
1: I would love to see that on a t-shirt, you know, with a little like arrow. uh, Anyway, uh, Jonathan, I know that you have worn many hats. You do so many different things. Is there something that you like to do the most in film and television?
0: Um, it's a great question. I, I would say it started out out of necessity, the Swiss Army knife approach, um, that if you don't do it, no one else will. So in this part of the world, there's a proud tradition in kind of doing everything for yourself. And I live in the country, and one one of the things about living out in the country is that you barter trades and services. I'll do your plumbing, you do my electrical. No one out here needs hosting done. So yeah. um, I kind of like the do a little bit of everything um, so that's kind of been my approach the last couple of years is make smaller things but do more jobs on them so that especially in comedy it has to be someone's point of view I learned this from Plattenberg on Trailer Park Boys and since worked on uh, Letter Kenny for example Jared Piso and Jacob Tierney show um, comedy is so subjective it has to be someone's point of view So I like the smaller things where everyone's closer to the nucleus. Everyone has a vested interest in the outcome. Everyone takes pride in what they bring to the thing. Um, So I think it's a long answer, but being uh, as close to the center of the nucleus as possible so that I can uh, encourage and empower the people on our tiny team to flex their creative muscles Like, my favorite thing about writing is when someone in another department comes and says, I know you said brown corduroy pants, but I think they should be orange flares. And here's why. Hear me out. Like when it grows and becomes this other thing that you hadn't considered. I love that about the process.
1: Jonathan, out of all of the roles and all of the productions that you've been a part of, is there anything that really stands out to you? Whether or not uh, you're particularly proud of it or maybe it was very challenging, anything like that?
0: Well, maybe it's uh, just because of the context of this conversation in particular, but early on, I did Tom Fitzgerald's second movie. He did The Hanging Garden that went gangbusters, and then I worked on a small uh, docudrama called Beefcake. And the reason it sticks out in my mind is because the character was so counter anything I had ever done before. I'd done a lot of shtick and a lot of parodies, um, impressions and impersonations and things, but this was my first kind of dramatic role, and it premiered at the Atlantic Festival, an at Atlantic Film Festival, and proud to say I won an award for Best Supporting Actor. Um, but it, it was the first kind of evidence that I could do a serious role, and so that one lives in between the beats of my heart. Sure.
1: Oh, that's lovely. And how does that differ when, you, when you're studying to do a dramatic role versus a comedic role? What's that process like?
0: I guess it depends what you find funny. If, if the comedic role is kind of shtick and physical comedy and stuff, the preparation is different than... Um, it depends. I, I find uh, the intersection of overconfident and underqualified really funny so in order yeah. for that to land comedically, I think it has to be grounded in some type of truth. And just for me personally, that's what makes me laugh. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of like nuanced character stuff. So I, I would say that the preparation for drama and comedy is kind of the same, as long as you're not winking the bit. Um, yeah. Drama is just comedy without a laugh track, really. But I think you still do kind of have to play it somewhat real in order for it to be funny in in the way that i find things fun
1: very good point making it real i love that
0: yeah i feel like uh i, I listen to smart List, the podcast sometimes and jason bateman often refers to um asking for a laugh and i i think for me that's what takes me out of a performance when someone's like i'm being funny right now aren't i so as long as someone is committed to it ace ventura is a prime example Spent the first 15 minutes of Ace Ventura when it first came out going, this guy is a clown. And then by minute 16, (laughs) his commitment to it and his unwavering dedication to silliness just earns your buy-in and then you'll follow him anywhere.
1: Yes, I love that like dissection that you're doing and making it so... um accessible for us to understand that that was
0: extremely helpful well my my wife always says like you don't laugh when we're watching funny things and it's because i think i ingest them with a she'll you know laugh as as the shorthand for this is funny and my first reaction is okay but why why was that funny when you distill it down what made that funny and even if i'm enjoying it um i still can't help but kind of dissect it a little bit
1: that is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Out of all of the Finn festivals that you've gone to, what one has stood out to you the most?
0: Um, I guess the, the premiere of the Trailer Park movie was pretty fun uh, for a bunch of reasons. One, it was just before the birth of my daughter, who's now 12. Um, and a budding actor. She's just had her first role on From, which is really exciting. Um, the second reason is the after party uh, was, um, we were entertained by an upstart young rock band called Arkells. And they're now a- no arguably way. the biggest rock band in Canada. And I remember at the time meeting them and thinking, nice people and good, good folks, and we'll see. Um, so <laughs> as you'll discover as you get older, those things happen in the blink of an eye. But that was a a pretty exciting time. Trailer Park was blowing up, I was about to have a kid. Our Arkells were like, these guys are going somewhere. That was a pretty special night.
1: That sounds so special, and you made such a good point where please, everybody, come to the festival because you don't know who's gonna be famous years from now and you get to be like, I saw them when they were at the Finn Festival years
0: ago. Well, it's kind of fun from my vantage point to look at um, the blinding galaxy of emerging stars in the East Coast, uh, like the Steph Jolins and Kumbis, um, like Tara Thorne having, it's hard to imagine this is Tara Thorne's first feature because uh, Tara just seems like someone who has had a pop culture presence here since the dawn of time. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you forget that stuff, but uh, it is as exciting for me now to see uh, the Combes of the world uh, stepping into the spotlight as as it was for me all those years ago, so uh, it it's just a different experience because now I'm a a champion watching um, other people.
1: That's perfect. And even on that note, Jonathan, um, I understand that the RBC Script Development Program has its finale, the script pitch, and that's during the film festival. So. What kind of uh, advice would you offer to anyone that that really wanted to write a script?
0: Well, there are a couple of things. First of all, the aforementioned don't be afraid to write something that sucks. Um, The second thing is, and I, I often do this when I'm writing anything, is start with the cliche and the expectation and then figure out how to beat it. Um, because there's a good chance you're not going to come up with a story that hasn't been told in some way, shape, or form before. Um, I'm not afraid of the cliché. I think you you have a choice. You can either shine a light on it and um, uh, pay loving tribute to it, or at least you have to identify it so you can figure out how to flip it. Um, That's a big one. Another pitfall that people fall into is if you write in a clever patois for one of your characters, don't have all your characters speak in that same sort of clever voice. Make sure your characters all have a unique voice. Dick Wolf, who created Law & Order, said when coming up with characters, you have to think, uh, what do they want, who do they want, and what's in the way? And that's your job as a writer, is to figure out what your character wants. doesn't matter if it's a silly show like Trailer Park Boys or uh, serious drama. The audience still wants to know what their characters what they're rooting for, what the character wants, so that you can, as a writer, inch your character closer to their goal, and then just put uh, obstacles in their way.
1: Jonathan, I have to ask: Do you have a favorite movie?
0: Um, the one that always pops into my there are a couple. Can <laughs> I give you three <laughs> you super can, quick?
1: Yes, please, please do, please.
0: Okay, there's a movie with Peter Steller's and a I think 18 year old Goldie Hawn called "There's a the Girl in My Soup." And the reason this movie stands out in my mind is because Peter Sellers, who was arguably the best character comedian of all time, tries to do a dramatic role and it doesn't really land. So that is my reminder that you should stay in your lane and do what you're good at. There's another movie by Christopher Guest um, with Kevin Bacon in it. Uh, and it uh, is about him graduating from film school in LA, forgetting what's important and leaving um all his friends and his longtime girlfriend behind because he starts to buy into his own hype. It's called The Big Picture. And I like it for two reasons. One is it's a real moral, a cautionary tale of not buying your own hype because it's only when he uh, shuns all this LA-ness and goes back to what's important that things actually start to happen for him. But secondly, it was Christopher Guest's, uh, one of his first movie, and there were actors doing reenactments as Kevin Bacon's character pitched his movie To a hollywood agent so way ahead of its time super funny super cool um and then the third one is rushmore and the reason i love rushmore is because bill murray uh was a supporting character in that movie in every sense of the word he didn't try to upstage the kid he just created a velvety soft cushion to show this kid off and never uh shadow him and i think that's a great reminder too of uh, sometimes the most interesting roles are the number 7 to number 70 on the call sheet.
1: Yes, thank you for that reminder too. You're not, just because you're the first and foremost doesn't mean you're always going to be like the best and the most important and stuff. That's exactly. Everybody is very important. Everybody on the film as cast or crew are all essential to the film completely. You spoke about the Finn after party. And just for some of our listeners who maybe haven't been to one of those parties before, can you kind of like paint a picture of what those parties are like?
0: Well, it's so hard to uh, imagine because we've been um, sequestered in our respective bubbles for the last couple of years. But there used to be a time uh, back in the proverbial day when people would go out and look each other in the eye and not have cell phones and have conversations (laughs) Um, depends what you're into. Some people are the look over your shoulder to see who else might be there that they could talk to yeah. types. <laughs> There's like, speaking of identifying the cliche, there are those people. There are the uh, get kind of nervous and drink too much too early kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, I, I'm uh, not the most comfortable person in those social situations. And oh, really? I think if you're, If you're going with an agenda, I want to talk to so-and-so and and see if they'll cut a check for my such-and-such. I think um, you're probably not going to do a lot of business there if that's what you're hoping. Um, But if you're going to observe uh, kind of in the way that you would a circus, it can be pretty fun. I remember Adam McGowan and his kid were coming out to the Atlantic Film Festival for probably the Sweet Hereafter premiere, and his kid was probably seven or eight at the time. And I remember boarding my Air Canada flight. And as I'm sailing through the first class cabin, Adam and his kid are playing chess <laughs> in first class on their way to the Atlantic film festival. And I was like, right. That's sort of the perfect uh, visual to set up the festival. You get to see some things.
1: You get to see some things. That's perfect. You get I to see them. some things. At, 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 a, at a film festival party like that, what's the best drink to have?
0: Well, I feel like I am biased because I'm a rye guy by, um, by trade, but I've recently partnered with some uh, folks in a new Canadian whiskey called Keepers. And it's keepers like um, light keepers. And the narrative is that this light keeper turns the light out so ships carrying whiskey will crash and he can steal them because finders <laughs> keepers. Um, so that is keepers. So keepers and ginger ale, that's probably what I'd pound into my word hole.
1: A few of those will take <laughs> the uh, off pretty hole?
0: quick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't also have to ask: Did you forward? come
1: up with, did you come up with that term "word hole"? Is that a? I don't know. It's original? been around
0: so long. It, I, I I used to alternate between "word hole" and "pink mouth." Um, okay. <laughs> it, but I, I don't know how long they've been around. Pink mouth <laughs> is one of those things that it just sounds dirty, but it's just an adjective. It's true. Most people yeah, have a pink it mouth. It is true.
1: Yeah, like wet mouth, and yeah, that's true. That's not what yeah. did you say to me
0: with your wet mouth? <laughs> you are so. I have funny. a theory see, that like, you can say whatever you want to people as long as you're going for the hug. So that's a good thing to practice yeah. at the Atlantic Film Festival. Like Kristen, <gasps> get over here with your wet mouth. How are you doing?
1: <laughs> you can kind of just slide
0: it in there as long as it's couched in affection.
1: Okay, <laughs> Jonathan, what film would? J Rock submit to the film festival.
0: Wow. It would be on VHS for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it would probably be an adult film, um awesome. involving people's mamas. You know, it's it's so hard to, to imagine. That show was uh we started it in the year two thousand or two thousand and one and at the time thought maybe people in Dartmouth will find it funny. And the fact that it's lasted as long as it has and traveled as far as it has, it's really quite a thrill that I can be pretty much anywhere in the world thanks to Netflix and encounter people who want to talk about it. Um, of all strange perceptions of Nova Scotia people could have, uh, that's the weird one, but I think the reason it's traveled as far as it has is because everyone in their town knows those guys and it's comforting. and. F- comforting and familiar somehow and maybe makes you feel a little bit better about your own life yes but by the way there's a prime example j-rock lives at the intersection of overconfident and underqualified and i think thematically one of the things that people really like about the show and i like this too is that no one on the show is feeling sorry for themselves and that's kind of a beautiful thing
1: Yes, that totally is a beautiful thing. I have to say too, every time, no matter where in the world I am, and people ask me where I'm from, I'll say Canada. And they're like, oh, where? I'm like Nova Scotia. And they're like, where's that? And I'm like, have you seen the Trailer Park Boys? And they're like, oh yeah, I love Trailer Park Boys. So you've it's really, crazy. really made a name for ourselves. It is crazy. Like, did you ever think that it would get that much traction?
0: No, because uh, it felt so regional. And these were guys that we went to high school with. I went to St. Pat's and Kladenberg went to Cole Harbor. And uh, it was kind of a love letter to those people. So it it just didn't seem like a reference that anyone else would get. Um, So at first when it started to travel, uh, I think we assumed that it was probably Nova Scotians working in Alberta or Maritimers, you know, working on the rigs or something. But it actually was in large part thanks to sports teams and bands because tour buses would be gassing up next to each other and they'd share the DVDs. And it was... um, might be overstating it to say it was on live support after the first season but it hadn't caught fire yet and it was bands like rush and the tragically hip and our lady peace that were like guys you have to check this out have you seen this yet
1: yeah that is just the coolest i absolutely love that my very last question jonathan i know you were so so busy on a shoot so this is my very last question when you were that young kid literally in the back of a horse suit. Did you ever think that you would be where you are today?
0: Um, no. The thing is, I started so young, I didn't have time to imagine where I would be. I wanted to be a stockbroker and maybe play classical guitar in, like, bistros on the weekends. Um
1: okay i don't think anybody has ever wanted to be a stockbroker that is i know it was thing.
0: the 80s i think it was the drama of people like throwing up those little tickets on the floor at the stock exchange like that thing um i think that's what appealed to me was the drama of that um but i i get the sense that people that have known me a long time aren't all that surprised
1: really yeah that is and i see it in incredible. my kids
0: too they they play characters and have accents and do voices and wear wigs and stuff. So there might be a whole generation of ham bones coming down the pipe.
1: Well, I can't wait to interview those ham bones 10 years from now. We're gonna be right back in the same place. It's gonna be the best. Can't wait. Jonathan, thank you again so, so much for chatting with us. I know you're so busy on your shoot. It means the world to us that you came out to chat. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We learned so much and you're the best. Thank you so much
0: i really enjoyed it thank you thank you
1: have a lovely lovely day everyone i cannot believe our luck that we were able to chat with jonathan torrance he has been around he is such a famous figure here in atlantic canada and again to hear him talk about finn festival going from 1995 i just can't believe it that was the coolest thing ever everybody please try his whiskey Keeper Spirits as well. Watch that film that was at the opening night gala in 2009. Again, that is Trailer Park Boys Countdown to Liquor Day. Absolutely incredible we were able to talk to him. And thank you all for listening. I hope you had a wonderful time. I had an absolutely incredible time chatting with everyone and I am so lucky to be here. So thank you guys so much. You are listening to FinCast 2022, a virtual red carpet podcast celebration, and I am your host, Kristen Green. A special thank you to all of our guests, Tara Thorne, Stephanie Jolene, Kumbi and Jonathan Torrens. FinCast 22 is a Village Sound production. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, the box office is now open. You can purchase tickets, ticket packages, or festival passes, which provide access to nearly everything hashtag AIFF22 has to offer, including our receptions and parties. Tickets and passes to our online festival, FinStream, are also available. Panels and discussions are free to attend. The Atlantic International Film Festival, September 15th to 22nd, 2022. Can't wait to be hashtag together again.